So, hi, Sheddies, it's me, Eddie Stevens. The time is now 12.35 p.m. my time, and this is Rugby Rantabanta, episode 172. Um, I'm in my shed. I feel a bit dead, <clears throat> dead inside. That's what it's like to be an England fan right now, isn't it? But before we get into the rugby, I'll talk a bunch of bollocks. Um, I had a really awkward experience at work at my day job yesterday that I want to tell you about. Uh, Really awkward, actually. So I have this co-worker who has a – she always has her own coffee mug at work. You know, some people like – I'm really into coffee mugs, by the way. I have way too many coffee mugs, and I'm not much of a collector-type person. I don't, like, have collections. I don't collect um, stuff. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. But um, if I if I were to collect anything, it would be – I suppose I do collect coffee mugs now that I think about it because i got about a million of them, and uh, I like a big, hefty – coffee mug with a big handle you know what i'm talking about ideally i'd like to get resistance training just from drinking my coffee but anyway this um i don't have a coffee mug at work uh but this co-worker of mine of course it's a woman she has a coffee mug and it i've always found it annoying because it just says my kids have paws and i hate people like this who have um that don't have kids because you know she's like middle-aged um couldn't have kids failed at it and uh, now she has to constantly, you know, the type of person that has to constantly tell you how glad they are they don't have kids. They really want to rub it in your face. Um, but it just reeks of me think the lady doth protest too much, you know, just constantly like, I'm glad I don't have children. I get to do whatever I want, whenever, whenever I want. But then they'll also say, oh, I don't need kids. My, my pets are my kids, you know, and then and which is to a degree is true because I have children and I have animals. And I actually think the animals are a bigger pain in the ass than the kids. The only difference, the only advantage that uh, that an animal has, a pet has over a child, is if and when they die, it doesn't completely ruin your life. Um, my fish died the other day, and I, well, I was a little bit sad. And my cat died a few months back, and that made me really sad. Um, but you know, then I, you know, I murdered one of my children yesterday, and I, uh, I'm really upset about that. I'm really pissed off, to be honest. Anyway. I'm looking at her um, mug with the coffee mug at work. My kids have paws. And I was just like, I was in a shitty mood. So I just said to her, like, what's this about? Like, you don't really think, what do you have, cats, dogs? You really think that they're your children? And then she said, no, I have children. And she showed me a picture of her children. And they're physically deformed. They have, like, paws for hands, like weird and I felt, I felt for a second, I felt guilty, like, oh shit, what have I done? But then I thought, actually, no, I'm still right. Those are still animals and should be uh, euthanized. I told her that. And um, anyway, then she said, what about you? You know, because speaking of being physically deformed, she pointed out on my arm, I've got this huge burn on my arm. And I don't know if I told you about this, um, but... Uh, I burnt myself from steam the other day. I was in my kitchen and this is like a week ago, maybe over a week. And it's still, I'm like scarred for life. I think I stupidly, I was boiling a, the kettle it was electric, an electric kettle. And I reached over the top of it while it was boiling and the steam burnt the shit out of me. Like just it, it, it's, it's, it burned. I've never had a burn 
that hurt for as long as this did. And then the skin, like eventually the skin started peeling away and stuff. It looks kind of gross. And she pointed that out. And then I was like, yeah, well, you know, it's a steam burn. I mean, it will, it will heal eventually. And then she got all sarcastic with me and said, um, yeah, Eddie, uh, steam is hot. Steam burns you. Like implying that I was stupid to reach over the steam, which I was. But, um, but I said, it's not always steam doesn't always burn you. And she said, yes, it does. And I said, oh yeah. What about a steam room? Which feels really nice. And then she was silent. And I said, how'd you like that burn? You fucking deformed child parenting whore. And then she threw acid in my face. She threw acid in my face and said, how'd you like that burn? But it didn't burn because it was LSD. And um, the LSD was absorbed into my skin and I tripped my balls off and I, I completely lost uh, touch with reality. And then I realized that the whole story that I just told you was a lie. Um, it's Rugby Rant Bands, episode 172. Let's go. Okay. <clears throat> oh my God, this is real. Um, let's talk rugby. Actually, let's not. Before we talk rugby, let me give a shout out to Ben Biakan, who uh, generously and unnecessarily, and I'm choosing to take this as some kind of passive aggressive attack, bought and sent me a new microphone. That's why the quality is so much better than last week. So very nice of Ben Bacon. I don't deserve it. And um, thank you to him. Uh, I did reply to Ben Bacon. First, I told him not to send me one because I felt like I didn't, you know, I'm just a piece of shit and I can, I'll have to buy my own microphone. But he insisted and sent it. And then I said, thank you, thank you, thank you. And demanded to have his address so that I could send him a t-shirt, one of the t-shirts that I've been working on that will one day be a real thing, despite the fact that none of you believe it and understandably so, given my track record of making these promises. Um, and he has ignored my messages. Um, presumably, he doesn't feel safe uh, with uh, knowing that I know where he lives, which is understandable. But one way or another, I'm going to get the T-shirt to Ben Bacon and also planning a trip to um, New England at some point, which is uh, Ben Bacon lives somewhere out there. He won't tell me where, but maybe I'll find out. And when I do, I'll let you all know and you can all uh, show up at his house. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. Anyway, fuck all that. But thank you, Ben Bacon. Um, let's talk. Well, there's only one thing I want to talk about, and that is the red card. We're all, that's the only thing anyone gives a shit about any England fan. I'm seeing red. You're seeing red. Let's start off with the obvious, the thing that everyone with a brain agrees on, is that it was obviously not a red card offense. I feel like there's no point me going over the reasons why, because you've already seen it, you've already thought about it, you've already talked about it, you've already heard all of the reasons, read all of the reasons. But in a nutshell, this is a this is the the the, the definition, pretty much, of a rugby incident. Impossible for for, for Freddie Stewart to avoid. Um, in real time, you watch it in real time, and short of doing what. Um, 
Oh, Christ. I don't know why I keep mentioning him, but do you remember? I used to talk about that piece of shit, AJ Martinez. I'm going to have to start talking about that piece of shit, Ross, the Australian. Hang on. Hang on. I've got to sip some coffee. Sorry. Um, you know, this Australian guy, old, old man, an old Australian man who's a classic Australian, like a decent guy, but a bit of a bastard and obviously extremely biased when it comes to the English. And he told me that the whole, that, that, that it was bullshit. And it was, a, first he said that it, that, that, that it was, he goes, that was bullshit. And I went, yeah, I agree. And he said, that was a blatant red card. And we talked about it. And he said to me, that he should have made more of an effort. And I said, what, other than teleporting, this is what I said to him verbatim, other than teleporting out of the way, what should he have done? And Ross said, oh, he well, he shouldn't have uh, put it, uh, stuck his shoulder out. He should have put his arms back behind him and made a sort of gesture like if you're playing football, how you chest a ball. And I was like, well, yeah, like if he'd had... Um, hindsight, if he could have seen into the future and known exactly what was going to happen, then maybe he would have done the completely unnatural movement of opening himself up for devastation and hurting himself. I told Ross, it's a knock-on. He doesn't have any time to do anything except go, oh shit. Because I actually think he, 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 um, he couldn't have made more of an effort realistically to avoid um, hurting himself or the opposition or giving away a penalty, L never mind getting a, a yellow or a red card. I mean, he literally, the ball gets knocked on, there's no time to react, and he goes, oh shit, and kind of flinches, which is what anyone um, who, who was making an effort to not give away a card would do. And it just drives me fucking insane because, make no mistake, this ruined the game. I turned the game off at that point. I had to. It ruined it for me. I fuck. I, first of all, I hate red cards anyway. I understand. There's situations where a red card is like really obvious, and we know what those are. Like a really blatant red card, a punch, a kick, foul play, something where someone has tried to um, break the laws of the game to hurt the opposition. But what is the point of the? What, what's the point of a red card? Okay, it's not. It feels like it's just to ruin matches now because what they say is they're trying to make the game safer. Well, in what way is a red card for Freddie Stewart making the game safer there? How, how do we learn from that? What can we possibly gain from it? If any other player is in the same position, even having seen that and knowing that it's a red card, they're not going to be able to do anything but that unless they're insane and they somehow just, I mean, what can you do? Throw yourself at the floor, collapse, um, bend over back. That's what he should have done. He should have spun around and stuck his ass out, inviting um, an anal attack. I think he could have got away. That's literally, probably, now that I'm saying it, what you would have to coach. If you're in a situation where you know you can't make a hit and you have no time, just try and spin around and bend over. Pull your shorts down if you can. But my point is, the, the whole reason that we're seeing all of these red cards is we're told is, is to make the game safer. That isn't making the game safer. And the thing is this, world rugby is worried about player safety, right? Well, don't 
World Rugby also have a duty to promote the game. They talk about that. They want to make the game more entertaining. They want more. Uh, they want a bigger audience. Now, like I said, I switched off when this red card happened. I just switched it off. I said, that's it. Game's fucking ruined. I'm done. I'm fed up. And I bet thousands of people switched off at that point. Now, there are some Irish fans um, and of uh, there are some Irish fans out there, and of course, because it's England and everybody hates us, plenty of fans from rugby fans from all over the world accusing us of just being biased. You know, but there are more people from all all over the world agreeing with us that it's a shocking decision. And just to be clear, you know, believe me or believe me not, I don't really give a shit. Um, I promise you, if the red card, if it had been, if the roles had been reversed, um. And the Irish player was red carded for the exact same thing. I probably wouldn't have turned the game off because I would have expected seeing them win and it would have been worth watching. But it would have, I would have been upset. Not only would I have agreed with all the Irish fans who say it was a red card, who would be saying it isn't a red card if it had happened to their player, not only would I have agreed with them, but I'd have been fucking pissed off if we had gone on to win it knowing that that could be their excuse. It would ruin the game for me. And I and I think, uh, I haven't heard this. I've kind of avoided rugby Twitter for one thing. But there must be some Irish fans out there that think it kind of ruined the occasion because Ireland um, were deserving Six Nations champions. Um, and this does kind of put a, damp, a damper, a dampener, whatever the word is, on that, on that, um, okay, on the occasion, like it would have been nicer for them to beat us with all of our players on the pitch. Which, by the way, some people are saying they would have done anyway. I'll get into that later. Um, but just from an, just from a from a England perspective, my 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 biggest frustra- frustration with this match, and you know, there is the caveat that I did not watch after the red card. I haven't looked at it. I haven't. I saw that I think Ireland scored three tries after that and we scored one Jamie George try, presumably from a pushover, uh, a pushover try from a mall. I've got to drink some more coffee. I'm sorry. I have um, a cough and my throat's bothering me. And yeah, the coffee helps. (sighs) My kids have paws. Um, it didn't just ruin the match. Oh, I was saying, I didn't watch the rest of the match. So for all I know, if I had, maybe I would feel differently. But what I feel like having switched off is this red card didn't just ruin the match as a spectacle. It didn't just ruin our chances of winning. It's not. It wasn't just a frustrating short-term problem, okay? I think that this has long-term ramifications to England's development leading up to the rapidly approaching Rugby World Cup, okay? England has very little time to develop a squad and a, and a way of playing that will allow them to compete with the best in the world, okay? Steve Borthwick has taken over in a pretty difficult situation and he's trying to um, build build a team, build a squad that can beat the best in the world and, and, and compete at the... Um, at the World Cup. Um, after an absolute nightmare of a performance against France, 
we the the one silver lining of that match was that we had a chance to learn from it, make some changes, and fix some issues. And god damn it, we did. It was working. You know, you had Farrell back in the squad leading. Okay, more on that later, because I'm I've got a lot to say about that, but Farrell was brought back in. There was more aggression in defense, and at the breakdown, especially from Jack Willis, who by the way, uh, just from the twenty to thirty minutes, whatever it was that I watched. I, I'm feeling like Jack Willis could become an England great. Um, and there was just a massive change in attitude that we had. And that meant that we were very much in this match. Okay. With the red card, everything got fucked. We had, we had a great opportunity to test ourselves against statistically the best team in the world. We used a simple, hardworking game plan. And it would have been great to see how that worked out for 80 minutes. You know, I, 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 I wanted to, we, you know, some people, as I said earlier, some people are saying that the red, some people are going to great lengths to, 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 um, um, appease people accusing us of being bad sports. And they'll say it shouldn't have been a red, but it, that did not affect the result and the island would definitely have won regardless. Well, how do they know that? I don't think that before the match, I thought we didn't have a chance. Um, and I still, I suspect we would have lost, but we don't know. We were, we were winning for however long it was. I can't remember. And we were very, very much in the game until the red card. Anything could have happened. We have no way of knowing. And that's the problem. It would have been really great. For all we know, we could have lost by more. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that. That first, uh, I should have checked how long it was before the red card. I'm going to see if I can check that real quick. But maybe that initial period um, was literally just a case of um, of England being so up for it that sheer determination was keeping them in the match. And maybe physically they wouldn't have been been able to hold out um, for the full 80. I don't, I don't know. And maybe uh, there's no way of knowing. That's my point. Um, Christ, I started looking for the, the result and figuring out how long, what time the Freddie, the, I almost said Freddie Mercury, the Freddie Stewart red card was at. I can't be bothered. It's just, I distracted myself um, and I fucked myself up. I can't remember what my, what my point was, but essentially the bottom line is this. I think after watching the way that England played, I feel like I personally and Definitely English rugby fans, as we um, tend to be, have been too hard, not just on this squad, but on English rugby in general. I, you know, after that France match, the general consensus was, and I never went this far, okay, uh, the general consensus was that there's this massive problem with English rugby um, from grassroots to top, and that the premiership isn't um, producing quality rugby players um look i don't premiership the, the the premiership is not like the global epicenter for elite rugby that we used to think it was and maybe and maybe it used to be but it's still producing great players playing great rugby um i said last week that that, that the france match was an anomaly the way that those players performed and it definitely was and i do see it or I did see it, and I still see it, as a blessing in disguise. We never would have come out and played in the way we did against 
Ireland without that disaster. But I think we went too far. Like, I think I feel like we've really kind of signed off on signed the death certificate of England rugby when after that initial period of rugby from England and from what I've read and heard from the from just the way we played in general against again statistically the best team in the world number one okay we were competitive the entire game right and yeah there's definitely cracks that need to be filled but um I lost my train of thought sorry um all I'm saying is I still think that English rugby has the raw ingredients to compete against the best in the world. I do think the biggest problem, you know, when I was talking to that bastard Ross, he did say to me, um, he mentioned the France match and said, oh, yeah, I watched that match and now I understand why you didn't want to talk about it. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. And he said, well, I know how you feel. I'm not going to do his fucking accent. He said, I know how you feel because we've been there multiple times. And I said, I know you have. And I and I, I was thinking about it. It is something that England and Australia share, don't you think? This yo-yo of quality. Whereas there are sides like, if you look at New Zealand, the All Blacks, the All Blacks are not do not have the air of, of invincibility. I almost said invisibility. They don't have the air of invincibility that they once had. They'll, I can't imagine they'll ever get that back because certain teams around the world have caught up, okay? But New Zealand, even at, when they're at their worst, are never terrible. They never, ever would put out a performance like England did against France. They probably wouldn't put out a performance as bad as most of our performances over the last two seasons. They're always good. You know, they played, you know, the, the worst I've seen them, or I was going to say the worst I've seen them look play, but really the worst I've seen them look um, was probably when we beat them in the World Cup. And that was where England was really firing. But what was the final score of that match? They weren't thrashed, were they, in the end? You know, um, so New Zealand are always up there. Sometimes they're amazing and sometimes they're just good. South Africa are a weird nation full of cunts, uh, but that's not my point. South African rugby is weird because they're at a point now where I feel like they're always also either really fucking good or just good. But they've had some lows. I feel like their lows are probably more to do with political problems. Like there's a, you can look back at the disaster against Japan in the World Cup, and you can go back, you know, however many years, twenty years, whatever it was, where England absolutely demolished them at Twickenham, and you can you can kind of write those off as the result of specific political problems they were having, and they fixed it. And I don't think we'll see them. I don't think we'll see their performances fluctuate the same way again. And But then you've got England and Australia who, you know, England, we can, I mean, look at the, was it the 2007 World Cup where we were utter shit and we got spanked by South Africa in the, in the um, group stage. And then we met them in the final and nearly won. And I feel like this is kind of a problem with English rugby is we're not consistent enough. I don't fucking like it. I, I would like us to be always I, I would like us to fluctuate between amazing and good. I but we fluctuate between really good and really bad. And I don't know why that is. Maybe it's just a mentality thing. And maybe it's an English thing. I don't know. 
Because I feel like that's how I perform too in the bedroom. I'm either really fucking good or it's not even working. It doesn't work. And I cry. I'm joking. Or am I? Um, whatever. It's, an, it's a frustrating uh, thing to deal with as an England fan. However, God, am I still recording? Yes, thank Christ. Um, I do think we... Uh, I feel like we're on the right track. I think we have enough time and I've seen enough to think we can be competitive at the World Cup. Can we win the World Cup? Well, yeah, we actually can for the reasons I just kind of mentioned. We're always capable of putting in an insanely good performance when it when we need to. But I could also see us out at the group stages. Uh, it's actually quite a nice position to be in, isn't it now? Like, if we did go out if we didn't make the quarterfinals or we went out at the quarterfinals, it wouldn't be a complete disaster. I kind of feel like we'd be like, all right, let's focus on the next World Cup. That's what we really need to do. Um, all in all, I'm not as, I'm not as, uh, I'm not as, I'm not as, uh, fucking Christ, pessimistic about England's um, chances as I was before, but I am bloody pissed off with that red card. We all are. It was bullshit. And yada, yada, yada. I already said it all. I don't want to say it again. But let's talk about Marcus Smith for a second. This is so complicated now. I am a Marcus Smith fan. I think he's great. And I like the idea of England building an attacking team around Marcus Smith. But am I being naive? You know, is it wishful thinking? Does it not work? You know, because that's what a lot of people have been saying for a long time. And results over the last couple of weeks would suggest that they're right, wouldn't, wouldn't they? I mean, you've got Marcus Smith at 10 against France. I'm on record for saying you can't blame him for the result. And you can't, at least in terms of you can't blame him as a fly half. Okay, as an individual player, you can't blame him for that result. But you bring Owen Farrell back in, the performance is completely different. There's no way we can know what would have happened if Owen Farrell had started against France. But is it possible that England wouldn't... Because like I said, it, it, it was a total... It was a team performance that let England down. It wasn't Marcus Smith's fault. But would the team performance be better with Owen Farrell at 10? Would he have seen what the issue was and gave his teammates a bollocking and got them more fired up? And would it not have been as... Or, as I'm saying it, I don't... I doubt that having Owen Farrell start that match wins England the game. But it's hard to imagine the result being as catastrophic with Owen Farrell at 10. So what does that mean? I, I, like, I don't even know what... I don't know what that means as I'm saying it. Uh, is Marcus Smith unusable it, it, is it is it too is it too much <sighs> does what he offers in a, in a, in attack um not negate the loss of like a, a sort of total team performance of having someone like owen farrell at 10 and is it owen farrell's captaining is, is it his um mindset and his uh leadership that makes england play better or would England play better just from having a safer, ten, a, a more, 
confidence inspiring 10 like i i don't like talking about george ford because i can't believe people were saying george ford should be brought in to start having been out all bloody season i think that's insane but someone like george smith does that just create a better mindset do other do marcus smith's teammates worry about him in it i don't know i don't know um I would say, based on what we've seen, there's no way you can pick Marcus Smith ahead of Owen Farrell for a big test match. Like, if we were playing anyone in the top six or seven this week, you have to start Owen Farrell, don't you? You have to. Um, Does that mean that Marcus Smith can be in the squad, brought on when necessary, maybe played against certain opposition? where his style might work better. I'm really not sure uh, because the safe thing to do is abandon it, B- abandon the Marcus Smith um, fantasy and say, no, nope, we're going with Owen Farrell. And if he's not available, we need someone like George Ford or who who, who else is there that, that plays that way in England. We really don't have a lot of quality fly halves. The, the name that's popping into my mind is fucking Finn Smith, but is it Finn Smith? Is that his name? See, I don't even know. He's so young, but someone that can do, you know, I just don't know. I hate it. I hate it because I really do love the idea of England having a more exciting backline and a more exciting style of play. But I'm starting to think that it's, I'm being delusional and that it just doesn't work. And, and, and what's the point of picking, of having him in the squad for certain matches? Because, what would those matches be? Matches that we're guaranteed to win anyway? Wouldn't you be better off having someone that you feel confident could start against any team so that they get more game time and, and improve? I don't, anyway, I don't know. I want to end this now, but um, I'm definitely... <laughs> I, I've depressed myself. I, I'm more optimistic of England's chances long-term than I was. Um, I'm frustrated by the red card and I'm a bit sad about the Marcus Smith situation as I'm talking about it. Um, But I wouldn't be surprised if Marcus Smith isn't even in the World Cup squad. And if that happens, we can just say goodbye to him. He'll be the next Danny Cipriani. Uh, Probably. Anyway, that's it. Uh, If you haven't subscribed, what the fuck is wrong with you? You can subscribe. It doesn't ruin your life. Um, follow me on Twitter at Eddie Stevens with an extra S. That's Stevens with a PH. Follow me on Instagram at Eddie Stevens Massive. Um, and uh, I'll be back next week. Aren't I doing well? I haven't missed a podcast in a while. Sometimes they're late, but you know, so are you. Bye. <laughs>